Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, this is Aidan from Bridgend, South Wales, and you are listening to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything. My question is, what is the weirdest coincidence you have ever encountered? Okay, uh, time for the show. And remember, question everything. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Dame Baptiste Questions Everything, a podcast with myself, comedian, writer, and occasional actor Dame Baptiste, my producer friend Howard Cohen, aka The Hizzer. Hello. And a mix of very special guests pose the questions that need to be asked. And we are talking everything from. We are talking everything from Aiden from South Wales's question What is the weirdest coincidence you have ever encountered? <laughs> Niche, Aiden. Niche, niche question, mate. Um, uh, coincidence? God, I don't know. Dane, anything that springs to mind? That's quite niche. Ooh. I mean, we might have to pause for twenty minutes and try to think through. Yeah, exactly. Because I mean, are, are there such things as coincidences? It's a tough one. Yeah, I'm not sure. I really believe in them. Hmm. I, 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 I suppose one coincidence. I mean, people like to kind of see. I suppose a coincidence is a pattern that makes you think. Oh, that's pretty. Uh, interesting that that has happened. Like I, like I think I told you about the worst date I ever had was on the night before I met my wife on our first date. And I've always thought that was quite like the only day I ever walked out on uh, <laughs> after one drink. It was when she was telling me she wanted to live under a tree and make guitars out of the tree, to which I just couldn't be bothered to have to explain to her that wouldn't sustain your existence. I like that that's the only problem that you had with that statement. Was that it's, not, it's not a sustainable existence. I was just like, I'm not wasting my time on this anymore. But that, is that a coincidence? I don't know. It could be. Well, that's what I mean. I mean, it's, I guess it's based on whether or not you believe in coincidences. Well, listen, Aiden, we hope that answers your question. Listeners, tell us your coincidences. But suffice to say, on this podcast, we ask and answer all the questions, don't we, Dane? Absolutely. I mean, we definitely do our best in that instance. <laughs> whether or not you believe in coincidences. Um, but no question is too big, too small, too lowbrow, or too highbrow and if you do like the show please rate and review on apple podcasts or follow us on spotify and you'll never miss an episode or subscribe to us on acast the world's biggest podcast network where you can hear all the very special questions being asked and answered by our very special guests with that being said on today's show is a british actor and highly respected stand-up comedian he started his stand-up career at the age of 19 on london's urban comedy circuit and has gone on to perform at such world-renowned venues such as the o2 arena and hackney empire as well as taking to the stage as far as field as West Africa in Nigeria on several occasions. He has also made TV and radio appearances on MTV and BBC Radio 1 and is also the recipient of the prestigious Black Tire Comedy Award for Best Newcomer. He also runs his own comedy club, I Love Comedy, a monthly event that was designed for all age groups, backgrounds and ethnicities to come together to enjoy comedy collectively. And known for a long time, some say he is the John B of black comedy in the UK. Some say he is Eminem, but one thing we can say is that before there was an Ed Sheeran or an Adele or an Amy Winehouse, I would like to go out and vouch for this man and say this guy was down and an ally before ally was even a word without even trying. Never made it a hype. 
If you don't know, get to know by now. It's Mr. Kevin J. Hey, wow, that was that was a that was an intro. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, we tried, we tried we tried to give out the flowers. Then I'm not sure if we've covered the bouquet and the plumage properly, but yeah. Yeah, no, it was all there. It was, it was a, it was a, it was a nice, uh, a nice selection of flowers as well. It wasn't just, you know, it wasn't just like bland and just you didn't just go with roses. No, no, no. <laughs> anyone, anyone can do roses, man. We wanted to be very specific, <laughs> complementary colors and that. Kevin, a little bit, I, little bit I, of baby's breath as well. <laughs> Kevin, can I ask if there's any uh, coincidences that have sprung to mind in your life that you've kind of encountered? Uh, is it a coincidence that none of us can think of coincidences, or is that that? I don't know if that is a coincidence. I feel I feel like a coincidence is one of those things that just passes you by and it's really meaningful when it happens, but then you don't remember it five minutes later. It's kind of like a <laughs> heart moment. There's yeah. a ten pound note in that jacket. I needed that. I didn't know it was there. What a coincidence that I'm, you know, short of cash today. Great. But you don't kind of carry that through the rest of your day going, I had a coincidence today and it was amazing. They're they're really yeah. meaningful for the 10 seconds that they last and then you kind of forget them. Um I'm trying to think of any no, I don't I don't I, I, I mean, it's a, a frequent coincidence is probably that when I get stopped by the police, um, as a white man, I don't get arrested. But, <laughs> <laughs> is that coincidental? Why or are you getting I, stopped? <laughs> Why are you getting stopped, Ben? <laughs> oh, I'm always getting stopped by the police. Uh, I've got tinted windows on the car, so um, the driving along with the tinted windows, they usually don't know who's in it, and then they see it's a bald yeah. white man, and they're kind of like, ah, oh, it's okay. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. no, it's not okay, officer. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I can tell you where I broke the highway code. I know exactly what I did wrong. <laughs> sir, that's police harassment, sir. Please. <laughs> Go home to your good white home, sir. Please. <laughs> I have a theory, Howard, as well. Maybe uh, for, for people that are more spiritual, that uh, maybe coincidences are like answered prayers. Because wow. if you think about it, well, only because of the fact that, like, I guess a lot of people do pray even for the most minute things. Like sometimes people pray for like the bus they arrive on time if they're going to a job interview or they may pray for like, you know, a seat on a train. And even though these are like really infinitesimal things, when they do happen, we don't really give it much thought. Mm. Even because it maybe doesn't happen on the day that we ask for it. And then when the universe does provide these things, because they seem to be like more part of the minutiae of life, we don't really consider it. So we might be like, oh, I hope this scratch card makes me win a lot of money today. And while we're walking up towards that, so much cause and effect happens whereby, like, you know, you might avoid the right puddle or you may not get hit by a car. or And there's so many small other coincidences that might not lead to, like, a massive uh, kind of, like, instance of good luck. Yeah. See, I was going to say, Aiden, I don't, you know, we don't want to be harsh to Aiden's question too much. But the thing is, Aiden, like, coincidences... People who are lazy fuckers are probably more on the, on the lookout for coincidences because they can't be bothered to do the work that it requires to not require. So, like, I could tell you professionally, as Dane knows quite a lot of my career, like, things that have happened to me that have been good, you could look at it and go, it's a coincidence. But the reality is that's not the case. The reality is I just kept fucking doing my job. And, and eventually I knocked on the right door on the right day and the person said, yes, make a TV show. Do you know what I mean? So it's like that, I would I would just say like, to me, there's a lot of things that aren't coincidences. They're just hard work paying but then off. If there are any, so I guess it's all a function of cause and effect. I, th- I think it's a very good question, I thought from Aiden, because I mm. guess it's based on what you believe to be coincidences. And then like Kevin said, you retroactively go back and try and link everything up. Yeah. To, because I suppose, you, you know, if we're, if we're the sum of our experiences, then 
maybe there are no coincidences and then all these things just contribute to certain things in your mind that you make important to you or they stand out to you and they all kind of link up mm. to kind of make up where you are well, now. Listeners, uh, let us know what you think. And also listeners, I mean, that's that's a pretty high bar from Aiden in terms of our listener questions. You can always send us questions. Just drop us a line on our social medias and we'll tell you how to how to do it. But uh, it's probably time for a question, isn't it, Dane, as the format of this show dictates? Absolutely. Kevin is our very esteemed guest. We'd like to invite you to ask the first question. Any question you would like, uh, which we'd like to discuss with you for like 15 minutes. And then Howard here would like to pose you a question, which we'd like to discuss for 15 minutes and some change. And then lather, rinse, repeat in a surprising twist of fate. And uh, by coincidence, I'm going to ask you a question, uh, which we get aside for 15 minutes. And then I'd like for our listeners to hear about your good works, uh, including your work in stand-up and uh, TV and the like. So if you are ready, the floor is yours to ask the first question, bro. Yes, thank you for indulging me. Um, I... I'm one of those people that has like thousands of questions that I ask every day. I stop people and ask them questions. And then when you guys were like, come on the show, you can ask a question. I was like, I'm uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's a lot of things I want to ask. Um, I, I've stumbled across the, 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 the question I'm going to ask. And that is, if, how do I phrase it? What do we think aliens would look at humans doing and go, why the fuck are they doing that? Love it. Oh, it's a great love, question. Love that question. I love alien questions. But we, but, but one annoying thing is we don't get asked them because people don't take it seriously, right, Dane? Like, people, nobody... Could you I mean, yeah. It, it's lim- it's it? limited, yeah, because I think it's because, I guess, the majority of people that have commentary on extraterrestrial life tend to be unemployed, and so everyone goes, <laughs> Yeah, not <laughs> That's a really good question. Yeah, it's a really good question. So, so, so to, to kind of underpin the question, it's not based on uh, whether aliens are real or not. Let's, mm-hmm. just, let's just kind of go with the fact that they are. The mm-hmm. reason I chose aliens and maybe not someone from another part of the world is because, you know, we are exposed to ideals of Western ideals, European ideals, you mm-hmm. know, what's right or wrong. Mm-hmm. That's not what the debate is here. It's what mm-hmm. would aliens look at that don't have no concept of human human life and existence or the, the reasonings as to why we do things. And what would they look at and go, why are they doing that? Kevin, what? do you do you, Very good. do you do much sci-fi, Kevin? Are you kind of into your sci-fi at all? And I'll explain why. Uh, uh, I'm a, I, do you know what? I'm, I'm a peripheral sci-fi geek. I don't want to delve in too deep because I don't think I'll ever come out. So I call myself a casual sci-fi geek in that I just dabble with, you know, with the fun stuff. Because um, we've I, had... Ari Styler and uh, is it Marcus Bronzy who are both big Trekkie, Trekkie yeah, yeah. guys. Big, big gadget guys and Trek and, and, fans. And, 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 and I do think that as much as I don't want to sit and listen to anyone talk about Star Trek for very long, uh, no offense to those guys. <laughs> like I, I, I think people uh, take that's, things... that's not true, Ori. I, I enjoyed that conversation. I enjoyed How, that conversation. What? Circuit, what the fuck is wrong with you? I enjoyed it for a period of. I'm time. I'm sitting here again, Howard. I, I don't have a problem with what happened. It's more that I don't. I don't have a passion to listen to that every week, which some people do. Like you could. Some people rewatch. Star Trek forever and really base a lot of like thinking of their life about what you know the science fiction they kind of bring it into the science world because it's well researched Star Trek right more than any other science fiction from what I'm led to be particularly next generation I, I know a bit but next generation is, is based they had a whole team of astrophysicists and scientists working behind the scenes for the technology so I would look at some of the things that go on in that show and make you think well I wonder if any of these representations are actually true or do you, that, that's one of the elements to this question Kev is is do you know what I mean like what, yeah. you, what what do you think they're going to be like? 
because I think they won't get our jokes. That's the way <laughs> I <definitely laughs> think they won't get our jokes. Humor is such a strange thing. We we've talked about it in in really interesting detail at different episodes of this podcast. And we were talking a little while about how cruel it is, right, Dane? Like, human humour is cruel. <laughs> People might not find that funny from another planet. That's a good, that's a good point. I, have you checked the etymology of those two words? I'm just saying because humour and human start the same way. Mm. I'm going to have to look into that. That's a, that's a question on top mm. of another question. But um, I'd say the first thing for me, uh, Kevin, would be race. I think that would be a very hard thing to explain yeah, to a cool. group of beings of the same species. Um, for them to understand that, and just our whole, I guess, classification and taxonomy of species in general, because if we're all homo sapien and then we have scientific research which defines a species, which we all races satisfy that definition, then explaining to them why we'd be separate would probably be a very difficult task because the definition of species is two organisms that can mate that produce viable offspring, which is what all human beings of all races can do. Then, like the fact that I suppose they would look at they would look at it then and be like, uh, so why do you guys consider yourself to be separate along these lines, hmm. and and how are you able to base entire divisions on this on this idea biologically, when based on your own research, by mixing you increase your biodiversity, reduce your uh, exposure to genetic uh, defects, and um, yeah, you're of the same species in the same way that, like, you may refer... But then I guess they look at uh, the idea of breeding as well because we breed dogs along these lines where we breed dogs based on certain aesthetics that we may prefer or certain genetic traits we prefer, and we give dogs different names for breeds, but all dogs are the same species. And what we tend to find is when we do pedigree breed dogs, we reduce their biodiversity and we predispose them to more genetic issues when they get older. I think pets is a great thing that they wouldn't yeah, understand, so pets, right? I mean, <laughs> so they may, I mean, they, they could understand like symbiosis. You could explain pets like, you know, a pet can maybe help with, because obviously human beings, what distinguishes us from our uh, peers and other organisms, you could argue is consciousness and what we're guided by as opposed to our like, instinct. And so maybe pets help with that. So I guess they could understand that. But I say race would be the hardest one to explain. Because even if you, because if you try to explain to an alien, for example, what a black person was, hmm. But then they might be like, but then you have albinism, so it doesn't. So the theory but doesn't with, really make sense. But, but with the with the oh, there's two points I wanted to touch on. So the first thing was biodiversity in mm. inter in interracial dating. It, it uh, there was just a bit. I was just like, that's so funny because my other half is uh, she's Caribbean and we have mm. a son together, and she said, "How have I found the only white man that's lactose intolerant?" I thought that. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were going to be eradicating that from the genes. <laughs> um, but, but more specifically on the race thing. But then that's this is why I, I, the question just blows my mind because we could open their mind up to actually there could be other raced aliens. So we're just we're just assuming that all aliens from planet wherever are blue with one eye. We mm. could go actually on Earth, the reason we're all different colors and shapes and sizes is predominantly because of where we're parts of the world that we're, you know, um, indigenous to. Mm-hmm. They could then go back off to Mars and be like, well, then we need to explore South Mars because there might be black aliens in South Mars where it's warmer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is true, yeah. It could open up a whole, you know, it could they could not get race and could be like, well, no, I completely don't understand it. Or they could be like, whoa, actually, 
you've made us consider, are we the only thing out there? And then they could go and, you know, further explore. I think the pet thing would blow their minds that we allow yeah. some animals in the house, but only as far as in the fridge, in packaging. Mm-hmm. Some are allowed in the house, but in a cage, but some are allowed in the house, in your bed. <laughs> yeah. And then some, and then some of them that are, in, some of them allowed in your bed are allowed on your plate in different parts of the world. <laughs> the races look different and then they're like, nah, maybe we shouldn't go to South Marge, you know? <laughs> and yeah, famously, exactly. obviously, famously, some of them you have to pick up their shit, uh, yeah. which is slightly disturbing. I, I think my biggest one, though, would be, <laughs> listen, I'm a odd bloke, I guess, but like, I wonder if they would look at how much we value sex <laughs> and all of the various components of sex illness uh as not just something that's completely functional <laughs> you know someone if they'll look at it and just go why are you taking why are you getting so much out of that like what are you it's just making a baby isn't it like i don't know maybe 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 but then i mean but then sexual gratification doesn't always involve penetration howard so sure <laughs> Sure, but I think there might be alien communities, and no disrespect to the alien communities out there who might be picking this up in some kind of dimension, but like, I imagine there's some cultures who don't take pleasure from sex. I know there's some of those already on our planet. <laughs> well, ex- ex- exactly, exactly, and that's, that's 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 why it's hard for it. That you know, that might be hard for them to you know for them to understand because it's like if you are born with organs. That, pre, that are created by like, I'm just saying like, you know, if a alien, so let's say you, you show an alien religious text and say, this is how it's supposed to work. But then that alien is like, yeah, but if your bodies are the uh, culmination of a divine design that's perfect, which is how we refer to our creator, then why are you removing parts of the body that are <laughs> essential parts to creating life? Yeah. Well, I so think like, you just hit upon another one now, a new religion. They're probably going to look yeah. at our religions and go, "What the fuck is going on yeah. here?" Did, yeah. Are you are you religious, Kev? <laughs> before uh, I, before I make that comment, <laughs> yeah, no, I I have faith. I have faith. Yeah. I, I think religion's been monetized, um, and that's another question for another yeah. day. But yeah, no, I have faith. Um, I, I I think. I think there's some really low level things they'd look at. I think they'd look at coffee shops and be like, "I, I don't, <laughs> don't get it. Don't get yeah. it." why you'll spend four pounds on a coffee in there when you could buy all the components to make that coffee at home for 32p. Do you um, buy your do you buy your coffee in a shop ever, Kev, or not? Do you know what I do? And it's really, it's really ritual-based. It's nothing to do with the coffee. A lot of the time I don't even drink the coffee. It's the uh, I, during lockdown is where I really kind of found that as a routine to help me get through kind of just getting up, getting out, walking to the coffee shop, getting a coffee and walking back. And I was realizing I wasn't actually enjoying the coffee. It was everything around it, the kind of the ritual around it. Did you walk um, your child at that point as well? Because I know you've got a child. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I will put him on the lead and walk. I was about to say, how would you guys walk, walk your child? <laughs> <laughs> Mine's in a pram still. Mine's in a pram. So uh, he's, uh, it, it he's was literally a, it was taking it for a walk. Correct sentiment. Um, correct sentiment. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so take, take, take it back. But I think they would look at that and just kind of just be like, I, they, they wouldn't get it. But then are we kind of thinking that aliens are a lot more primal than us i think that's the that's the kind mm. of general consensus here that we've got that they wouldn't get their head around religion i think it's cerebral yeah. isn't it i think our image of aliens is cerebral 
kind of slightly lacking the soul. It's like, I think the ultimate example is this. this, uh, I think I've said this recently in another episode, so apologies for repeating myself, but like Otis Redding, right? (laughs) Like, yeah. You're a human being and you can't feel emotion listening to Otis Redding. Or I can talk about Marvin Gaye as well. Let's say let's say the What's Going On album, right? Like if there's alien races out there and you play on What's Going On and they don't get it, well, we're never really gonna be able to coexist that <laughs> that world. Do you know what I mean? I, I get I get that, Howard, but I feel like there's people on Earth who don't get that either because it's. I mean, that's, it's a minority, no. Something in art and culture moves almost everyone, even in like almost everyone. Like, almost like, everyone, which I guess we'd, we'd have to get them to understand. But I suppose it's, it's like you said, Kevin, it's when you consider the nature of aliens, because number one, I think I was trying to, I think who's, oh, the rapper in Mortal Technique who made some really interesting points about aliens when he was like, one of the things is that we try to perceive them along the three dimensions of reality that human beings understand. Hmm. And by that same token, I think time might be a difficult thing to explain to aliens in terms of our understanding of linear time, because that's not necessarily how time works. Because, for example, looking at the stars is a method of time travel that we experience as human beings anyway, because we are able to see them because the light travels towards us. But the time it takes for that light to reach Earth and our eyes means that we're looking at an image of something that's maybe a thousand years older. So it might be and also, like, even our base 60 that we use for measuring time, it's like we didn't really have, like, a zero point we started off from before we mm. began to record time. So, but then we use it as a basis for determining our self-worth and also we use it for the allocation and valuation of resources because we say time is money. So an alien might be like, but time don't exist. So, and then, so does money exist? And then... Yeah. And that, I mean, that could be why they never stick on Earth for that long. Because if mm. they don't have a concept of time, to us, we think they only, you know, a UFO will just flash through the sky or they, you know, they'll land for, I don't know, 20 minutes and then move on. But actually in alien time, mm. that might be, they might feel like they spent the weekend here. That's a really good point, Kevin, because you, you know what? Like, again, because we don't know any other way by which... Oh, because the other thing as well is that we only are able to perceive things we can see uh, along the visible light spectrum. And, we, right. and so we see things because of light. We don't necessarily know how aliens might see things. So, you know, you said that they only, they, only because you said that they may not need to be here that long. If they're able to record uh, or perceive along lines other than visible light, the visible light spectrum or um, our linear ideas of time, to us, they might just be there for a minute and seeing what's happening. But maybe it's, maybe we're just seeing a snapshot of them and that image. They could be have been here for thousands, if not millions of years. But the way, because of how our eyes work, we only catch them in that snapshot and people, they get quick pictures or quick flashes. And they could have just been there jamming, watching us for ages. Yeah, We just don't really know about <laughs> that, it. We that, just, just go on about it. That's the exact premise I use for family gatherings. It felt like <laughs> yeah. I was only there for five minutes. Back, <laughs> <Yeah>. Honestly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've been there. I've been to those gatherings. What a what honestly, that question is an absolute belter. You played it, you brought he brought it in like he was playing a like it's just a bit of a question. I've got a few questions, you know. He nailed smashed it, right, Dane? That's a proper, proper question. It's, it's gonna have to it's gonna, yeah, another part two in, there, boy. It's going in the archives of gold, basically, Kev. So Oh, uh, thank you guys. I have listened to the podcast and you do say that to most people, but 
I'll well, pretend this is the first time. The thing is, when you notice that we don't, when you notice we don't, someone's really brought a fucking stinker into our fucking yeah, show. Exactly. And Kevin, in our, in our, in our defence, a lot of people say they listen to the podcast and then they go, if you met an alien, and you go, what? that was like last week, buddy. So. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. <laughs> so thank you, Kev. Uh, I've kind of got one of two questions today. I've got big and broad or specific. What do we fancy? Let's go specific. I think we should go specific. Okay. okay. So the, il- the illusion of choice for you there, Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad I didn't dive in. Go big and broad. Maybe that was the question, and that's, that was the clever <laughs> trick. No. Um, so listen, Kevin. I'm you know like all the guests that come on the show. I research a bit about them before they come on. I've, you know, I've observed your, your material over the years. I've looked at your your your, your work. Funny fucking guy, right? You know, you're a funny guy. And, uh, uh, I, you know, I, I, we kind of were talking about this before the show, and I think you're like, you know, you won't object to me bringing it up now. But, I mean, how would you describe your kind of uh, follicality to uh, people at home? Uh, uh, Ooh, that's because, um... <laughs> <laughs> because, because the reason that I want to talk about it is because I think Dane often references his uh, hair situation. Um, and <laughs> I think the right field scene. And I think it's I think it's just one of those things where I, my question is going to be: How awkward are people talking about it? Or do you? Or do people talk? I, I don't know. I find it a fascinating thing because people people try and tell me I'm losing my hair. My family constantly try and tell me, and I can tell you right now, this ain't going nowhere. Okay, I've got a. It's always been quite a high a hairline. People like to pretend that it's going. It's not. So you can all fuck off. But, <laughs> but I am fascinated by it because it creates... The I important get, thing is that you're taking the observations well, Howard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's the first step. <laughs> it's like, oh, they've noticed. I'm, I'm not on any step process, Kevin. I'm not on any steps. Okay? I don't know. Co- denial, is denial when it comes to coping with loss. Denial is normally... And then anger. And I'm not, well. It's not denial. <laughs> um, I have plenty of hair. I've, I, just, I just find it very funny. That I'm put in this position to worry about something, and then obviously both of you guys are kind of a, a, a point in that process. We, I, I think, you must be in quite you know solid ground. I'm, I, I find it a fascinating subject that kind of a field doesn't really get talked about very often. 
No, it doesn't. It absolutely doesn't. Um, boredness in general, because it affects it affects all of us. It's not just mm. um, it's not just men. I think it's uh, it's it's more monetized in in mm. in, in men. Uh, so for me, um, I I realized I was losing my hair very. So I was I had a receding hairline, but that's very right. different to losing your hair. So when your hairline recedes, you still have like dent, a dense matter of hair in the in the places that it's still growing that's not receded. But then when I started really thinning on top, I was just like, Do you know what? I was only 25 when I realized. Right. Um and I gave it a year and I just thought, Do you know what? I'm gonna beat, I'm gonna beat everyone to it. Um I grew up <laughs> in an environment where, you know, all of your perceived weaknesses were very ex- were exposed very quickly um, and that was from my dad my brother and friends so right. i just thought you know what if i shave my head then no you know everyone can be kind of just like whoa he shaved his head so i did it without people necessarily even realizing that it was probably thinning out as much as it was going to right. um and it's very weird the people that are the most awkward about it are the people that know you strangers mm-hmm. just meet don't you. give a fuck like, right just you're just you're just a bald guy. It's not not an issue. But people that you know that uh, that know you. I mean, a, a friend of mine. I saw him. He after I'd shaved my head, and he went to me. I just want to ask, are, are you okay? Is everything okay? And I was like, <laughs> are you? That was. <laughs> 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 are you well? Are you well? I was like, oh, like I'm definitely not in treatment. I, I've just decided to shave my head. Um, <laughs> I think for me, it was quite drastic for some people that knew me with hair because I had quite long, dark seemingly thick hair yeah you had some proper hair mate yeah so i probably i mean i i just didn't want to be that guy that everyone looks at and goes he's going bald um and he's holding on to it so i was just like let me shave it off before everyone before that 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 time happened so probably a lot sooner than i than i'm possibly needed to but i knew where it was going so yeah i just beat uh, and happier happier or that's kind of part of the things i often wonder yeah so do you know what i'm i i I, it's weird how you can go from a place of being insecure about something and worried about something to then being a a bit kind of a bit elitist and a little bit selfish in that and 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 why i say that is where i'm at at the moment is i'm fuming that i still grow hair around the sides of my head and at the back Mm. i'm like i just want it all like just i'd rather be bald all over like this little the balding yeah 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 yeah. yeah, like this shit little horseshoe no one needs that it's useless (laughs) the mr mr um yeah Yeah, it's like so that's where i'm at i'm like i'm so over being bald that now i just want to be really bald like just get it all off uh yeah i mean the biggest dilemma in my life at the moment is where do you use face wash too like do i just use face wash all the way over my head (laughs) Or is it just up to where the brow was? <laughs> do you use shampoo on your horseshoe or do you use body wash? I don't know. <laughs> those are the biggest dilemmas at the moment. Um, and they're personal, isn't they? They're, you can just deal with those. And, exactly. You know, that's, yeah. that's kind of, that's kind of yeah. funny. I find, I find it really fascinating, man. Like, honestly, I, I hope I never join you on this journey. You know, like, I, that's one of the interesting things. But, but most things in life, and obviously we've had a bit of a joke about it already, right? And we, you know, but we, there's humour that comes with baldness. Whereas I think the reason I kind of was so fascinated to bring this up is because so few things in life where someone's going to make a decision like this that you can joke about. Do you know what I mean? Like make big life decisions <laughs> where uh, nobody ever gets to, you can, <clears throat> I don't know. It's quite dramatic, but like people, in a lot of cases, like you said, you shaved all yours off, right? That, that That's kind of like quite a dramatic thing. But I feel like, I don't know, there's something quite, I don't know. There's, I think there's something quite revealing about how we treat, 
bald people. I, I, I don't know. It kind of, I'm obviously not one, but like it kind of makes you think for now. Uh, but it makes you think that there's like, I don't know, something it says about society. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. <laughs> so, uh, so my son is six years old and he's never, he, he has no concept. Like I've been bald all of his life. And he, the other day for the first ever time went, nah, 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 you're a bald man. And I was like, how does he, what, what, where does he even, where, at six years old, how has he even got the concept of bald being something that he's about? Um, the, obviously, it, I didn't say anything, I just laughed it off, but I think... And shaved his is, head. Yeah, you're going to have one too. No, but like, I think it's a societal thing, so it's probably, it's really, you know, deeply, yeah. uh, probably entrenched in all media, television, film, whatever it might be, um, that, it's an, that it's an issue. And it's, it's, it's so weird that, Boredness is a bigger issue for people that aren't bored than those that, those that are. Um, yeah. I speak I speak broadly yeah. for most bored people that I've met that actually couldn't give a toss. They're just like it is what it is. But it's all the people on the peripherals. My name is Dame <laughs> Baptiste, and I endorse Kevin James. <laughs> um, a a, there is a bit of a bored brotherhood. Like when you go bored, and someone else that's gone bored as well. Is that true? Um, is that true? Or yeah, is that just yeah. what you guys feel? There's a respect. Yeah, I think yeah, there's yeah. a respect, right? It's, it's yeah, I think there's a solidarity there. But I think it's more. I think it's more a genuine form of body positivity. I think um, people are aware of the stigmas of going bald and it's sometimes seen as more, uh, lack, of better, lack of a better term, I think it's uh, more tragic to see somebody try to fight against uh, male pattern baldness because it's, in itself it is genetic and there is a scientific explanation for it and, it's, and it has no um, negative... Um, yeah, no, there's no negative, uh, you know, side effects or biological defects that are associated with going bald other than maybe you've got to apply a little bit more suntan lotion on your head when you're on holiday. But other than that, there's not like you lose your baldness and then you begin to lose your vision or your virility is affected. So I think the only stigmatism about or stigmas about baldness has come with this at large commodification of youth that we see in the West, whereby um, I, for me, it's the equivalent of if where you see a, a a black woman feels the need to have to straighten and perm her hair, right. and you know historically using very dangerous chemicals in order for it to appear more Eurocentric, so then you have a countercultural movement from uh, women from the diaspora where it's celebrated when women wear their hair naturally and they mm. don't treat it. And I think there's, there's, to a certain level, there is that solidarity, particularly nowadays with bald men, where it's like you're not trying to do a comb over or you're not wearing a toupee. And, you know, it's just, it's actually, it's quite natural. And I think well, that was and, and, a and, and, sentiment for a long time before we just saw the change in trends. So I'd say the new kind of idea of ridicule for like balding men has come around the same time now where, you know, along with thigh gaps and cellulite and all these new terms and these new ways we can kind of criticize each other. It's exactly what I was about to say, Dane, because when you think about people who are kind of, it really, you know, uh, overweight in a way that would be, you know, potentially kind of dangerous for them in some capacity. Um, oh. You know, <laughs> do you ever have you ever had that scenario where you suddenly see someone who you know that's, that's you know and always know, known and then being overweight, and then suddenly they've lost all this weight, and it's quite like yeah. amazing, like to share that moment and go like, "Fucking hell, you look amazing." I mean, you don't want to say to them, "Fucking hell." 
you used to be enormous, like well done. You've 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 definitely put an, act, an extra few years at the end of your life now, having taken all that weight off your heart that you used to have to carry it around. You know, but it's <laughs> kind of our reactions to how people like, and I think Baldness has this kind of almost like unique place in all of those body image scenarios where it's just like. Well, fuck you. <laughs> this is it, right? Like you say, Kev, you just like how you did it, and then it was like, right, well, this is it, guys. Like that's that's what I'm going with. I mean, a lot of you guys grow beards. I've noticed. Just saying. So you know. Yeah, I think that's just, that is a saving grace that if you can grow a beard, because you can kind of just balance it out a little bit. Otherwise, you just look like a thumb. But <laughs> um, I, I, it happen. I think what's really sad <laughs> is that. Anything linking to Dane's point around body positivity, anything that's perceived as body negativity is monetized so much. So the mm. amount of money that there is now made through men's hair, like re 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 regrowth, and there's you know lots of branded items out there that oh. you can that you can you know. And it's like I was thinking about this because of the I don't know not I don't want to turn this into a football conversation in any way, but like listeners, if you don't know. Uh, Tottenham Hotspur, the football team, appointed a man called Antonio Conte, who's mm-hmm. like one of the most um, successful football managers of the last decade, arguably. And um, it, nobody ever really... I, I just think it'd be really funny if he hadn't got his hair transplant and whether whether <laughs> whether that yeah. might have affected his career drastically or not. Because he was properly... He, he went really bald in a really... Bad, in that way we were talking about, right, where it doesn't just recede, it, like it's just disappearing in every place. And he, he... But so, so, so many people that are in positions of power and successful would have that same hair if they, if they didn't shave it. So Dwayne yeah. Johnson, uh, mm. Jason Statham, Absolutely. Pep Guardiola, the Man City manager. All Con- Kanye West. LeBron. <laughs> LeBron, yeah, like, LeBron. Le, LeBron doesn't own it though, does he? He kind of he got, he got the transplant. Like, yeah, he got the transplant. Transplant. I'm Chris, talking about Chris men. Brown. Oh, but many, yeah, so many it can grow out and it can be kind of wild as well. I imagine but what Samuel I mean Jackson the, as well. Yeah, the they the, just um, shaved it. Um, yeah. Have you have you seen that um, John Travolta shaved his head now? So yeah. he's like oh, really? completely bald and he had very thick black hair. Yeah, yeah. famously. Yeah, right. But he just owned it. Um, Bruce Willis, yeah. bald head as well. You know, I think when you own it and you kind of just... I mean, Jason Statham doesn't even skin his bald. He he rocks the horseshoe. Mm. But mm. he does it with such vigor that it's kind of, wow, no, actually, he's a, he's a sex symbol. But yeah. the, 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 the same guy that works at, I don't know, uh, BHS. I chose that shot because it's not around anymore. Shout out, BHS. <laughs> Um, would be would, he'd be frowned upon. He'd be like, "Oh, have you seen the board man?" The <laughs> They'd be like, "Billy, you're you're really upsetting the customers. Could you go in the corner, please?" <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, and it's oh, other oh, stores, Billy. Get over there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, it's other other people's issues with boredness more uh, that are projected that are projected onto people that are boarding. And I think if 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 they were supported more and not made to feel like it was a huge deal, it'd probably be embraced a lot quicker. But that will never happen because then there'll be no monetizing of products right. that pretend you're going to keep your hair when well, they're not. Show me anyone that's ever had reverse boarding. It, 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 it doesn't happen. It's a fallacy. Yeah, it's, it, it's impossible. And, I said, and there's, no, there's no money in the cure. The money's in the medicine. So if you can have people believe they can get improvement by using 
caffeinated shampoo and like what's the other one um nair and all these well no nair's the one to get rid of your hair but there's like all these other things where it's kind of like mm. yeah in the same way that i guess if if women use imac it's like the hair's never going to go permanently and nature always finds a way in it shout out to all the bald brothers and sisters who follow the show and um we respect you and, and all you. the bald non-binary persons as absolutely. well absolutely sorry and, uh, i forgot yeah I forgot my bad yeah and all the, um, all the non-binary persons and, and you're uh, always welcome uh, on the show, uh, not as a guest, but you know, to to, to support the show. <laughs> and, um, oh, outrageous, outrageous! <laughs> I've really fucked up, mate. <laughs> Dane, it's time for your question. Get me out of this. That's <laughs> <laughs> how it passes me the hot potato while he digs himself out of that hole. Um, so, uh, yeah, my, for my question, Kevin. Obviously, as I was saying with the introduction, um, obviously facetiously referring to uh, being the respected uh, white presence in a predominantly black space was the references to me saying John B and Eminem, et cetera, et cetera. However, I do think it is a point of principle to discuss the fact that, you know, you and I in comedy around about the same time, and we did spend a lot of time in what's referred to as the black circuit, where we played to predominantly black rooms, even you go as far as performing on the continent yourself, um, arguably before a lot of actual Nigerian British comedians have done. Um, and I say that because you know, following the events of 2020 and the resurgence of discussions about race relations in the UK, George Floyd's murder, BLM, et cetera, et cetera, we, are, we seem to be, as a society, currently a lot more focused on the state of race relations, even though maybe a couple of years prior we were denying the existence of it. Now, as a result of which, there's a lot more scrutiny on the language used and the kind of ways and people who can approach discourse about race relations. Now, I feel like, you know, it should be a point of your career that we should definitely, you know, elevate and respect is the fact that I feel like, you know, comics like yourself, comics like Maureen Younger, comics like Jamie Howard, who are on the circuit, were able to do this way before it was like a hype, if that makes sense. And mm. for me, you, you have proven that uh, through your work that, you can interact with a predominantly black audience without having to have any particular airs and graces, rely on any use of nomenclature such as ally. And it's a, I guess it's a two-pronged question. How do you feel as a white man raised in a mixed-race son in today's society? Like if what are the angst, what things you celebrate or think about is part of the question. And I want to ask, from your perspective as a comic as well, do you think race relations have changed or the approach to discussing race relations has changed on stage since you started comedy? Well, um, let's go with comedy first, I think. I think they most definitely have. Um, and I think it's I think it's positive that they have. Um, I think, you know, we've I've not been on the circuit for a very long time, but long enough to have seen that kind of mm. that shift. Um and I think that it's really it's really important that we're more aware and more mindful of the kind of the way we package what we're saying and how we say it. Um, I think, you know, we're hearing a lot now from very influential straight white male personalities that, you know, uh, one famously said on their podcast, you can't say anything anymore if you are a straight white male. Mm. And it's like, you've not ever been able to say anything 
you've always had yeah, to exactly. censor what you, it's like exactly, that's not yeah, new yeah. that's not new exactly, yeah exactly yeah i like exactly that's um, i always so, make there's, a, there's no more free speech there was never free speech that's why we yeah. have libel, libel laws if you say something and it's not true you'll be sued so yeah exactly i think and i think that really speaks to the to the position of um uh, privilege and entitlement that they once thought it was okay to be sexist racist or misogynist or any of those any of those kind of uh ways but now there's a momentum and a voice that counteracts that all of a sudden they feel like whoa no now we're being marginalized and it's like well no you're not you're just kind of having a mirror put in your face um i think um i think that with my comedy specifically i've always tried to just kind of keep it as open and as 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 honest as possible and there will always be times like in all with all comedy where you overstep the mark um and i've done that but i've 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 not written a show about my perception or experiences of black people for a white tv show run by white tv execs that's aired to majority of a white country i've shared my experiences with black people to their faces so even when people might have said oh that was a bit close to the bone I'm well I'm telling you it yeah, so exactly, I'm yeah. not I'm not saying it about you I'm not packaging this and selling it as a primetime channel 4 show yeah. I'm letting you know as a white man that's been or at the time a young white man that's been raised in your community this is you know so um I had a bit where I used to talk about black people always saying to white people you can't dance and I would be like have black people ever stopped to think that they might have it wrong and it's like <laughs> it's me just posing that question back you know it's obviously it's silly it's not it's not it's not real um obviously exactly no but it's it's silly because it's done within the context of comedy and stuff as well so Great, exactly, great and, yeah, and, yeah. and 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 walk through all those premises of you know spicy foods, food food not being seized, all of that kind of stuff. I've kind of worked through it, but there have been times where I might have overstepped the mark. Um, and but the difference when you're uh, some of the TV shows that got cancelled last year, where they were didn't get cancelled last year. Some of the actors or the writers of TV shows last year that got cancelled or got dragged through the mud, that happened because they didn't. They didn't have a writer's room with black people in the room. They didn't have, they didn't workshop the idea or, or have a live show with a predominantly black audience that would have let you know there and then a caricature of Trisha Goddard was not acceptable. Um, so I think specifically hmm. speaking for myself, I've never been a caricature. If I've yeah. spoken in a, in a native language or if I've used an accent, it's only ever been to season or to garnish the piece of material, yeah. I believe is already funny. Um, and we would do that with a Scottish accent, we would do that with a French accent, and we'd do that with any dialect that suited the joke that we was we was writing about. Yeah. And I think that's the, the real difference. And when I look at, specifically nowadays, what's being sold as like uh, roadmen or, or, or yeah. you know, working class, like it's just black culture packaged differently because we're not allowed to say urban anymore. Yeah. So what really frustrates me is when we have people that are of you know, white skin or white presenting that um, use their proximity to people of color mm-hmm. as their USP and it's a negative USP. I always say that, you know, your proximity to anyone of any marginalized background should be to uplift them, not to bring them back. So for me, I think my proximity to people of color has allowed me through my comedy to do things like travel to Lagos, Nigeria as a 19-year-old male mm. by myself. Um, and perform to 9,000 Nigerians and not get booed off because that's the difference between Kevin Jay and Jim Davidson. Yeah. <laughs> and But the first yeah, yeah. part of the question, just to go to the first part of the question, Kevin, that kind of with that all going on in your kind of professional life, the, 
what is it? What, what, what goes through your mind with your kid and, and, and bringing them up in this world at this point in history? So I think um, I, w- I will say it to anyone that will listen long enough. As a white man, I'm not qualified to raise a child of colour. Like, I'm not qualified because I'm not of colour. So how can I sit down my son and say, look, this is going to be some of the positive experiences and these are going to be some of the more challenging experiences. I'm learning on the job. And I sometimes think an apprentice plumber will do a better job than someone that thinks they know it all. So if I was kind of disillusioned by that and I was maybe uh, had a different kind of perception of my role as his dad, which a lot of dads have this kind of air of, I'm a dad now, I know it all. It could it could be a recipe for disaster. What I what I do is I just get as many r- black r- male role models and female role models. But he has that from his mum. It's the black role models that are male role models that are really important to bring around him that we both learn together. So we're both you know I I don't pretend to him that I know stuff that I don't know. So I let him see that I'm learning how to care for his hair. I'm not going to pretend and make him feel like awkward, like, oh, my dad didn't know what to do and him pick up on my anxiety when I'm, you know, (laughs) aggressively trying to comb it, not knowing what I'm doing. We engage in that together. Let's learn together. And he can understand that there's nothing wrong with experiencing difference and learning about things that are different. I think him seeing me being so kind of open and objective towards learning about the parts of his ethnicity that I didn't unfortunately have the time to <laughs> to learn in the lead up to him being born despite being raised around a lot of Africans and Caribbeans I will never know it all because I'm not African or Caribbean hmm. and I think it's being able to admit that and I think that goes for white people in general that it, it's not just about raising a child of color in general like we don't know it all and it's okay to just admit that we don't know it all and if we say something that might be slightly offensive or we don't know the right thing to say own that and just go, I don't want to be offensive here. How do I say this? Or how do I package this? But we don't do it because our fear kicks in, which is somewhat understandable, but nothing ever uh, successful or fruitful is done from a place of fear. It's always irrational. Mate, you respect for for everything you've just said. And like, I mean, I've got like a, you know, a, a, a very small element in my relationship with my son that, that won't rear its head for potentially many years. You know, he's a baby. Yeah. But at some point, he's going to turn around to me and go, why does your dick look different to mine? Because uh, I'm a Jew. And Fuck he- it, I, would, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was waiting for you to go, because I'm an adult. <laughs> oh I should have mentioned the Jewish bit first. <laughs> I should have mentioned the Jewish bit first. <laughs> <laughs> After Kevin's heartfelt, profound, insightful, admirable so speech, so this guy is like, my son's going to be looking at my dick one day. <laughs> it's like, it's, I'm just relating to the guy. I was really relating to Kevin going, the only thing I've got in my life is at some point he's going to go, why have I got a bit here that you haven't? You know, he's just, we didn't want to get that bit chopped off, right? And, you know... Because I think it's fucking not. Well, I don't want to do that <laughs> to, to anyone. Uh, and he's gonna, but, but like he, that still plays in my mind there and again. Like you know, he started working out that there's something there, you know, and he kind of, you know, he's quite happy to point it out. And I'm like, yeah, we're gonna have that conversation. Somebody's gonna be. But you're talking about something that is a is a is a is a kind of much more present thing in your in your relationship with him and his relationship with the world, right? Yeah, and I I I think um, as we know, the whole representation thing is. 
it's kind of a word that's used a lot and I, I hope it doesn't become tired and we're you know everything's just about representation because it's mm. like it's becoming a buzzword there's meaning behind representation that's yeah. not just say oh it's all about representation no, it is all about that but there has to be meaning behind it um so for me representation for uh raising uh, a mixed race child is also about speaking to people that are mixed race man i really think mm. that mixed race people are overlooked we always just double down on what does the white side think what does the black side think? Yeah. Well, there's mixed race people that are twice my age. So do you know what? I'm going to go out and find them and speak to them about what it's like to be mixed race because I think potentially sometimes mixed race people and none of us are mixed race as I'm aware. Okay. Uh, we, we, we speak on their behalf, don't we? That Oh, they either choose the white side or yeah. the black side. But then, again, but then again, it's an interesting question, Kevin, because like, you know, you, you'd said earlier when we were talking about the fact that your wife has found the one lactose intolerant white man <laughs> i mean if it's a trait that we associate with people whose speciation has a closer proximity to the continent of africa it stands to reason i guess you could argue that there is obviously a mixed there somewhere because it's, mm. it's what we're defining as mixed race because at one point that's true the celts and the anglo-saxons in this country would have been considered two distinct groups of people like people from like scotland and ireland whereas now would you meet if i meet a working class white person you know i'd say maybe Half the time, they might have some Irish or um, Scottish ancestry as well. So they'd be considered, you know, maybe the same, I guess that's the, that's, that's the same race. Or they, will we say they have mixed heritage? Or if someone's, one of their parents is English and Polish, like there's going to be a, enough of a cultural uh, gap there where they're two complete distinct uh, cultures and stuff. So yeah, you're right, man, because I think it's our definition of mixed race has also changed over the years. Because I think even when people talk about mixed race, the quintessential idea of someone being mixed race is that they have both black and white ancestry. But then you've got people who, one of their parents may be from Southeast Asia, someone might be from, and their other parent is Greek. And you, that's mixed race. Mm. But it's not... I was about know, to say, it's quite a non... It's quite a non-defined uh, group of people because it can be defined in such broad terms. But I suppose it's been specifically with what Kev's talking about is a... You know, kind of uh, it's with, with a kind of mixed race, black and white parentage that that creates a, a particular thing where, and you know, it's it, God. I I think about it all in popular culture a lot, right? Which is, you know, <laughs> nobody's ever really stopping to kind of question a lot of people's <laughs> ethnic background, right? You know, the, you like you say, Kev. You know, it's like it's no kind of. It's, it, I don't know. It's it's only as well defined as we make it, and that's why the representation thing. Kind of it, when it's like put a little fence around it and given a placard to wave about itself, it's like oh, I don't know if I really like that. Whereas if it's like oh, you didn't, I didn't know that about you know, I'm just going to say Jaden Sancho, for instance. <laughs> I don't know anything about Jaden Sancho's ethnicity. Maybe it's quite interesting, you know. I don't know. I think that's where we have to really we slightly, I slightly digress, but we have to be careful with the I say the, the royal we with uh, representation because. Mm what happens a lot of the time in popular culture is there'll be a white person, uh, a lead singer or, or, or of something of that sort that will have black people behind them as their backing dancers or their backing mm -hmm. vocalists. That's then representation, but by way of allowing that white person to appropriate black culture. So you, that, you have to be careful. We have to be careful of that because yeah. yes, there's representation there at the Brits when a white female singer or male singer is on stage because there's black backing singers, but that almost just gives license for them to to appropriate that culture. Yeah. And, and, that only, and it only exists in an aesthetic way as opposed to yes. like, you know, a uh, interpersonal way. Because while we see, we've seen many a white balladeer 
very gifted one with black uh, backing singers. Then you hear stories about like Ray, who's of dual heritage, and you know she's I think is British Ghanaian, and they won't let her, and her label wouldn't let her release an R and B album. And you're just like, matting how. Yeah, and I think that that, so so bringing that looping that right back around to my stand up, like I never had you know black backing comedians that came on after I did a punchline and went (laughs) exactly, but (laughs) yeah, (laughs) to vouch, you know, um, I'd love to see that. I'd love to see that. To be fair, but uh, (laughs) um, and I think that's why any 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 TV show or any form of media that is is um, that is in that space should have to do the hard yards like I say hard yards not that they were hard but I mean in terms of the the, the figure of speech hard yards of walking out in Hackney Empire in front of 1200 black people you'll find out there and then if your stuff is racist like exactly 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 Uh, that is a a great (laughs) point to to end this episode it's it's an amazing point and I think yeah anyone listening and any uh, comic or aspiring comic that wants to deal with race relations then I would definitely advise you to if you're from the UK to watch Kevin J's work and you know again the, whenever people talk about like these issues of censorship and free speech, if you are confident that your material has integrity, then go and perform it in front of the people that you, who, who vocalize their dissent, uh, your narrative, go and speak to them. And if, if, if you've got a joke about the trans community and you think it's a good joke, go and perform it in front of trans people then, and you know for sure. So hmm. yeah, definitely appreciate it, Kevin. That's a great answer. And uh, a great episode, Dane. What a, what a, what a great guest it's, you know, Kev's been, eh? Absolutely. And despite him being such a gifted comedian, you and you and your son and your dick have to be the comedy highlight of this episode. I really apologise for that moment. It was, it was one of those moments where, as I was saying it, I was, I was thinking about how deep he'd been. And I'd been like, God, man, like I, I kind of kind of really get perspective on that just purely because I have this one thing that's waiting to happen in however many years. Like I said to you, not, not, not a... Dreidel, not a Yamoka, <laughs> not <laughs> not a tin of gefilte fish, just how it's freshly brisk dick. <laughs> well, Kevin, thanks for coming on the show. <laughs> oh, thanks for having me. It's been and, a uh, blast, man. No, nah, thank you very much, Kevin. Appreciate you, bro. Always respect your stuff, man. And um, yeah, again, as I say, I think well, as this conversation moves, that um, you know, comics like yourself uh, should definitely be given their kudos for. Um, you know, I don't want to patronize and say this like courage and stuff like that, but what a lot of people are getting a lot of credit for, for doing performatively online, you was doing in real life a long time ago. So I want to make sure that I um, give you the respect for that and let you know that I, 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 I see the work you did, man, and I definitely respect it, bro. I appreciate um, it. So could you please tell the listeners where we could find out more about your good works and where they can see you performing more regularly? Yeah, um, I love that you always leave this to the end because if people ain't interested in you, then they just dial out. It's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> they stick around. I've got the stats. Yeah. They stick around. But we don't want. We also we don't want fickle fans coming to your shows as well. And then, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. They need to hear the whole thing. Um, so, uh, wow, where can you see me? Um, on obviously across all social media at Kevin J Comedy. Uh, recently re-established my monthly comedy night, which is called I Love Comedy. Um, 
uh, as Dane alluded to at the beginning, it's a, a monthly night where I just try and bring a, a real diverse mix and range of comedians together. Um, and that's comedic styles, ethnicities, genders, and however else they wish to identify. Um, because I think there needs to be a common thread in comedy shows, which is that it's funny, not that they're all white, straight and male. Um, so by way of uh, a monthly show, we kind of bring people together, a small, nice, intimate room. Um, it's not a show that's all about, uh, you know, cramming people in and, and taking loads of ticket sales it's about the, 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 the curation of a good comedy night so you can check that out at um, www.ilovecomedy.com and nice. um, yeah just gigging all around just trying to get back on the on the comedy horse after a lockdown because I refuse to do Zoom gigs because I like to see people wincing <laughs> at my material that don't go right I don't want them hiding behind a laptop <laughs> well good luck with it Kevin and uh, yeah we'll hopefully see you again to talk more but when aliens land we'll probably need to get you back for the follow up episode let's just let's just call the next episode aliens foreskins and representation <laughs> I like it I, I'll go with that aliens foreskins representation it's, it's, that's, that's compelling enough that will, that will get the people that will get the, get the people hooked you've been listening to Dane Baptiste questions everything hosted by Dane Baptiste for more from Dane go to danebaptiste.co.uk or follow him on Twitter at danebaptweets or Instagram at danesnaptiste. Our guest was Kevin J. You can follow Kevin on Twitter and Instagram at kevinjcomedy. The show is produced by me, Howard Cohen. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Howard Cohen. The show is mixed and mastered by Audio Culture. You can follow Audio Culture on Instagram at We Are Audio Culture. Please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at DBQE Podcast. Thanks for listening, guys. And remember, question everything. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.